back to Star Girl Podcast. This is for episode two of season two, Summer School Chapter Two. A lot of twos in there. Uh, this is Angie, and I'm here again with Lizzie. And I think we should just get right into the episode. Um, so we see Shiv's Cindy's mom again. Were you expecting to see? the that that character anytime soon lizzie no i was so shocked that my notes say at the beginning is my my first notice that is that really cindy's mom then it became obvious that it was but at first since she's a stepmom and they don't even look alike it was like wait i've seen that actress before is that cindy's mom because i was like she's not one of the characters whose image i've retained as well during the past year what can i say I know, and the the music choice was fun, and I was like, all right, let's do this. And then I was like, okay, lady character ready to leave. I'm here for this. And then I realized it was Cindy's mom way too late. Like, I was spending that whole first couple minutes trying to figure out what we were doing here. Um, so that set up some things for us to look at throughout the episode, as well as for the rest of the season. And then shortly after, we get an intro to jenny so jenny exciting because lantern how long have we been talking about a freaking lantern right it didn't it feel like i felt like i know we've been waiting for a while but it's still just episode 15 so even though we've been waiting for a while a part of me was like so soon and then i was like am i being pranked like is ashton gonna pop up somewhere uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's super weird. Um, but I really like what they did with her, despite the fact that she somehow thought it was a good idea to break into the Dugan's house uh, for reasons that still do not make sense. And that, as I expected, um, had everyone been like, "Courtney, why are you fighting her? Courtney, why are you fighting her? Jenny, why are you breaking into people's houses?" Yeah, I think that's the bigger question here. And she's so sweet, too. So it's, like, really interesting to me that, like, even though she's super sweet and is going to make you breakfast, she's still going to break into someone's house if she needs something. Like, the layers that are being presented with that character is certainly (laughs) interesting. I also, I'm especially interested in her brother because, as we know from the comics... Her twin brother, Todd, is Obsidian. So I think they're, again, like, leaving all of these breadcrumbs for us to follow for the rest of the series for, like, different heroes and villains to show up. And Obsidian would be really interesting to see if they choose to bring him out this season. How interesting would it be to see that in comparison to The Shade? Because I feel like there's, like, similar dark, like, shadowy kind of visuals there. I'm sure they're not going to bring Obsidian this season, but it's going to be cool if they do. I mean, I'm I'm not sure they won't. I mean, I, it depends on how much they the the Jenny thing. How much was it just teasing her, and how much they will at maybe in the later half of the season I actually want to bring her in? Because I just don't think they that she's like, oh yes. I was going to look for my brother, but now I have a team. So bye, brother. It, it, it doesn't feel to me like she's she's going to drop that so quickly. So 
Although maybe it'll be a thing of, I can't find my brother. I need your guys' help. That could be a way to sort of keep her around maybe um, in the back half of the season without bringing in Obsidian right then and there. Though I, I have to assume that if you bring her in and you bring up Obsidian, you're at least planning on that for season three um, at the latest. That's true. I mean, we did have to wait a while just to get a freaking Green Lantern anyway, because when did Courtney steal all the stuff in season one? It was pretty early in season one, wasn't it? Because then she recruited Yolanda and then, yeah, so yeah, we've been waiting for a while, so we'll probably wait for a bit with Obsidian. But I do like that we finally saw some Green Lantern powers, power visuals, and oh man, I think they did it pretty well. What did you think? Right. Visually, it looked really good, which is um, was always a concern uh, regarding special effects, especially like I was especially concerned about the lantern uh, since this is a CW show now. Um, and these are new effects, so they're not like the staff, which are um, special effects that they had from season one. And it's not the same thing as building it from scratch. So I was a little like, oh, how are we going to do the lantern? And they did pretty well. Um, I was I was really happy visually with everything that happened in the episode. I was I, I in general really enjoyed this episode. Like I like Denny. Um I I I still don't know why she broke into the house. I don't think that was properly explained. Um and though I spent the entire episode going, Courtney, no. Um it was in a the, uh, we're back to where we started with Courtney, no. But it was, I think, in a very relatable teenage way of Courtney, no? Like, I, I, I didn't agree, and I, but I could see where Courtney's feelings were coming from. And, and despite the fact that we say Courtney, no, a lot, and Pat says Courtney, no, a lot, she always sort of gets there. It, it, she's not a spoiled child that takes a lot of time to get to, you know, the, where she needs to go. Yeah, you don't like it when, like, the perceived 2.0 version of you comes around. Like, I feel like that's a very common kind of TV trope. Like, I know I just saw this in um, Never Have I Ever Season 2, but it's been around in TV for such a long time. That jealousy of someone that you think is, like, just an upgraded version of you, which is what she thinks kind of Jenny is, because her dad actually is a superhero, actually is comes from that legacy where Courtney thinks that she is not and not as deserving of the mantle of star girl. Um, so I thought that that was very interesting to see the two kind of like in comparison to each other, but really uh, Pat, man, he, he, right. Like he did. Okay. Right. You can't see Lizzie's face, but you should see the face that Lizzie is making right now in her chat because it's the face that uh, we always make when we're talking about Mr. Pat Dugan. So basically, he reminds her that he reminds Courtney that she needs to give Jenny a chance, like she did the rest of the people that she recruited for the new JSA. And he says, This life is more about helping people than fighting the bad guys. And I'm like, Pat, Pat, yeah. does he have all the best lines this season? Because I, I feel like in these past two episodes, all the best, like most heartwarming, like cut to the core kind of lines have already been from Pat. 
Right. He also tells her, your greatest superpower is seeing the good in other people. And I was like, that is so much Courtney. And he is absolutely right. And in a way, you can see that sort of a little bit of that has sort of been reflected in the JSA because even they are shocked when Courtney reacts. Like, Rick is all like, Courtney, what? And it's like, even Rick is like, well, Rick has a lot of feelings, but not typically emotional maturity. Um, but I think this is something that they've all gotten from Courtney. Uh, so for them to see her sort of not reacting, they expected her to. It's a little weird. They're like, Courtney, what's wrong with you? Um, but Courtney comes through at the end after another wonderful speech by dad of the year pat dugan um and she comes through and she when when jenny needs her and when the team needs her she's like i'm not moving i'm not leaving you and i was like i'm not getting emotional here over i mean i was getting emotional but i was like i'm not getting emotional over jenny i'm getting emotional over courtney yeah and with with courtney and with Courtney and Pat, I think it was also really special that Pat really had the opportunity to hide things from Courtney this season, especially with like, yeah, like I was totally expecting him to like hide that the shade was in town until he like gathered more information. But he was so just like upfront and honest about what was going on with her right away. And it goes to show how much he values honesty in his parenting which like I don't think we see a lot of that in these superhero shows it's a lot of secrets because like oh I'm trying to protect my kid we just sidebar we just talked about that in Superman and Lois season one right like oh we're gonna keep this because we need to protect our children and there was talk about how they kept the JSA kept their kids a secret right to protect them and stuff but Pat's you know Pat's a different kind of parent he values honesty and it seems like this shows that he trusts Courtney, even though we're constantly yelling, Courtney, no. He's being like, you know what, Courtney? Yes, in this instance, I'm going to let you like have this information. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I, I really like that part. I made that note at the end that I, I also thought he wasn't going to tell her, um, at least for a few episodes. And I was really shocked that he did. But I also feel like th- there's a part of part a fad who's like I'm not trying like my message from last episode is still the same you still need to find a balance um but that's not something you can do as a growing superhero and a growing a woman if I don't give you all the information I have so I don't it felt to me very mature that he didn't believe that the way for her to find that balance was for him to lie to her um and I really appreciate that um so, and then the, the relationship between the two of them, like, I don't think, like, we had a couple of very good moments uh, at the end of season two, and I think we're building towards that, too, because I think Courtney emotionally took a step back from where she was with Pat. Like, she's there in the sense that she listens to him and she respects him and she cares for him, but she took a step back emotionally from uh, this is my dad this is my stepdad probably because she hasn't been able to fully process it um because i think what jenny wanted her to understand is that courtney thought jenny had everything but jenny had the only thing uh but courtney had the only thing jenny wanted which was a family 
and she had Pat, which was basically the only thing Jenny wanted, like her dad. So seeing and Courtney, like I think they were seeing a reflection of each other because what, what Jenny wanted was what Courtney had. And then Courtney thought that she was like this cool persona and she wanted that. Uh, but really, Courtney, Courtney is the one who's winning here. She, she's the one who's got friends and she's the one who's got a family. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying that Courtney doesn't see it. I don't think she's fully realized that yet. And I, I do think that the fact that they took a little bit of a step back emotionally between the relationship between Pat and Courtney means that we're going to get payoff um, going forward. So, okay, uh, I'm in if you're going to give me payoff. Yeah, I think it's we're building more towards Courtney having an appreciation for her family and like making space, making like room in her life to really focus on her family and her Courtney Whitmore life instead of just like going out and fighting raccoons or whatever she was doing in episode one. Um, and I think it is really interesting, too, that Pat's, like, circle of children is still growing because it seems like like he's taking Jenny under his wing right away. He's like, you're Alan Scott's kid. I got you. Come to the shop with me. Let's figure out how to use this lantern. Like, it was just so, like, his trust is so immediate in these kids, and that's just very heartening to see. And I think we did talk about that in season one about, like, how cute it is that like Pat is like the father figure now for like these kids and he continues to like put himself as that figure for other people it seems throughout this like second season. Right and then all of these kids if you think about it don't really have a good father figure so of course Pat will be the father figure for all of them but I want to talk about Barbara too because she was also very quick to be like oh Jenny you're staying here uh, Courtney, you're gonna volunteer to sleep in the couch, right, Courtney? Uh, and and it was, it was super like, I I don't know. I I we've talked before about how Pat and Barbara are the only good parents uh, in Blue Valley, um, and Pat Dugan deserves a lot of the credit for that. But uh, Barbara has ever since she found out of before, she she could have also been made into a stereotype of a character who didn't understand or who was always getting in the way. And she she isn't. Even when she has concerns about Courtney, as she had in, in the first episode, her concerns are valid. Like, she she wants her kid to find the balance, just like Pat does. Um, and, I mean, I, I don't... I don't particularly think summer school will be bad for Courtney, considering she doesn't seem to be studying. Um, She's not in summer school for the same reasons as Rick, which seemed to be that no one believes Rick actually studied, um, whereas Courtney didn't actually study. I So there, I want to talk about Barbara, but I also want to talk about Rick. So I'll start with Barbara, because how, how unlucky is this woman that she always encounters the villain first? In season one, she's the one who like meets Jordan first because that's her boss. And now the shade gets into town and immediately goes to see Barbara. Like, why is this job so dangerous for her? It's so she's the unluckiest woman in Blue Valley. And then um, with Rick, there were several moments of Rick that I loved in this episode. The first one is 
him picking up the trash like the precious boy that he is because he's been bringing the food for Grundy but he's not he's not littering he goes back and he picks up the trash like I was like this is the most precious character detail that like Rick Tyler is an environmentalist or just he's just very uh conscientious like I just I just love my boy so much and then the second moment of Rick is like his solution so when they're running around with the lantern it's like a bomb that's about to go off he's like I could crush it (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) oh I I I, we talked um about this particularly when we discussed the last episode but I have come to really enjoy Rick um Honestly, like unironically, I enjoyed Rick. Um, I enjoyed when um, even he gives. I I I feel like the vibe between him and Courtney is so sibling like because he gives Courtney these looks, like, "What are you doing?" Um, that are very sibling like in the in the like I I I see no vibe between them that is anything but sibling-like. But he's very good at the sibling-like vibe. And he also has a different vibe with each of the girls. Like he, 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 he does the bickering, uh, what in the world are you doing thing with Courtney only. He doesn't do that vibe with Yolanda, for example. He's a little softer with Yolanda. So, and, and he's also different. We talked about how he and Beth are, are like opposites. So I just I particularly enjoy his his vibe with um, Courtney because it feels like they are just winding each other up um, and like they're about to get into a screaming match, which they haven't. But like it, it's it's that type of sibling relationship. I feel. Yeah, I agree. And um, that. So speaking of like bickering, I feel like these these objects now are really developing a personality of their own. Like we talked about how the staff is just so sassy. And we saw that like the staff just really wanted to keep fighting. Even though Courtney was like, no, <laughs> the staff is like, yeah, we fight. And Courtney was like, no. And then um, Jenny's ring also seems to have a personality of its own. Like it was, it chose her and like made her fly away. So I think that's kind of priming us to think about, like, should the objects choose to move on? What is that going to mean? Because I think if we're thinking about Sylvester in the background, what are we going to do if the staff chooses someone else, Lizzie? What what are we going to do when, right? Because I I feel like we are going to see the staff go to Sylvester when he shows up, and I'm going to be super mad. And Courtney's going to be crushed. And I, I just, I can't handle it. I Well, maybe we should just table this discussion until later because that's going to make me really mad. <laughs> right. Um, you want to talk about Barbara, too. Or that was all just her bad luck in finding uh, the villain first? Or they, were you talk, you want to talk about her parenting, too? Oh, I was talking more about, because I, I just can't get over how the villains always seem to find Barbara. It's just really funny to me. Um, I didn't really have much to say regarding Barbara's parenting, did you? Because I can piggyback off that. I mean, just in a good way, but, like, I found it hilarious how everyone was like, 
um, Jenny made really good pancakes, which apparently were really good. Like, even Cordy had to admit it later. Uh, but how it was like, uh, she made really good pancakes, so let's forget that they trashed my kitchen. Like, what? <laughs> okay. What is going on? <laughs> Do you know how expensive it is to have an island in your kitchen? I wish I had an island in my kitchen and y'all destroyed it. I would be super mad if I were Barbara about that, actually. Right. And and also how everything is fixed so quickly. Uh, like, the parts that were, they were like, Jenny fixed it. Jenny fixed it when? In the middle of making breakfast? Like, what? Like, how also? That's my question. Like, where do you get that, like, slab of marble to stick on? Like, does Jenny just cart around countertops with her like does she have a stash somewhere i these are the questions i need answering i i don't know i don't know um jenny i and again i enjoy jenny um but she was a little separate from like i enjoyed her separately um i wouldn't know how she would fit into the team dynamics yet and they're not trying to get her into the team dynamics because she left at the end of the episode. So that's the big question mark of how the team dynamics would be if you add her. Um, and I think they were smart to not add her completely yet. So we still got to work on the team dynamics between these four kids. That's true. And I think she needs to work on herself. She needs to work on her powers, especially since like the thing about how she is the lantern, that's a lot of power. And I i do think that those effects that they did of like her levitating and it really did show how powerful she was and it was very well done. And especially considering just the really terrible Green Lantern visuals that we've seen in previous things. I'm very happy with what they did with Jenny for sure. Um, do you also want to talk about Eclipso at the end? Right. Uh, like, that. I think that leads perfectly into Eclipso because the visuals are also really good. But also, uh, Eclipso, it's, it's so cute that Cindy thinks she's in charge. There's a part of me that's like, oh, sweet summer child. Like, it's so cute that you think you got, you got this under control. Uh, but yes, I think it was it, it was a little bit of our to our speculation last week where he is probably the big bad, and we're gonna stay a while with this idea that Cindy has that she is controlling this, and you can see that she clearly cared at least a little for her stepmother, like at least she didn't want the woman to die or just whatever happened to her, um, and then um, but she's so deep into this mess that all she can do is be like you know what don't do this again you know i wanted to know my question was why did she use the diamond on her mom in the first place then like does cindy also know that her mom like we find out that it seems like her mom was abducted right and had a life before so why why did cindy choose to use the diamond on her mom period and then only to like become really emotional about the effects of it on her mom later. And it's like, well, what did you expect? Because you you used it on her already. I was a little bit confused about that. Right. Um, I 
I mean, I don't, I don't think, I think season one did a good job of establishing that Cindy is not as bad as she thinks she is. Or maybe that she's not as she would feel involved there. Like, she's not as bad a person. She could have been Courtney's friend. Like, there, there are a lot of things that they have in common. And then, but she also feels like she's got to live up to this legacy. And I think because she feels this legacy is all she is. Like, if she's not uh, this person, this villain, this member of the ISA, who is she? That's why she's trying to go recruiting and whatever. Um, but I think um, without Eclipso, however that happens in theory, um, it'll be up to Cindy to decide who Shiv is, or who she is, who Shiv is, uh, without uh, this big bad controlling her because she is not in control. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to say, girl. Um, and we already know, we saw from the the first scene of the season that Eclipso has plans of his own. Um, and, um, and she, Cindy is just a pawn, sadly. Yeah, in general, I agree with the line that I'm in control, my body is mine. I'm like, yeah, if you put that on a shirt or a tote bag, I am totally, I agree with that. But with what's happening with her and Eclipso, my sweet baby girl, you're not in control, unfortunately. It seems like Eclipso just totally consumes you. And I think he's definitely going to like feed off of Cindy's own hatred and Cindy's desperation. And it gets to a point where like we saw Cindy's mom just like, I don't know how to describe it, like get dusted. Like I know that's a very... That's the wrong, it's a very marvel of us to talk about. But that's what it looked like. It looked like she got dusted. And that's that's a big deal. Those are high stakes. If people that you're using the diamond on just completely disintegrate, that's that's some power right there. Right. I'd, I'd be very un, very interested in knowing what exactly happened to her. Because that's how I understood it, too, that she was dusted somehow. Like, she died. Like, did she disappear? Or... Is it possible that Eclipso like transported her somewhere and that she's still alive? I don't know, or that her soul is somewhere. I have no idea what happened to her, and I would be really, really interested in an explanation of what happened because I assume she's not going to be the last of Eclipso's victims. Um, so it'd be good if we understood what exactly is happening there, um, what exactly he did, and and I, I also. Um, feel like in a way they gotta be introducing these new heroes. Like we've seen the lantern. I assume we're gonna see the pen. We're gonna see Jackie. He's been mentioned. Like, um, because there are things that these heroes do in, in not separately. Like, like they can do together that will be needed to defeat whatever big bad. Like if it's Eclipse. Um, I don't. Somehow I don't think Jenny was introduced this episode and he's not coming back again. Like, she might not be featured, like, heavily this season, but I do think before the, the, the season is over, she'll probably be back. Uh, with or with her brother remains to be seen, I'd probably stay without, uh, because I, I think they probably can find, like, better ways to introduce them. Uh, but, um, for example, with she was an easy character to bring in, introduce, and then sort of, take away so she doesn't affect the team dynamics but I don't think uh Jackie will be so easy to to like once you introduce 
the pen, like he's going to be there. So you sort of have to deal with the team dynamics, the issues that you're having with the team dynamics now on uh, the next few episodes if you're going to like make the team bigger. Because if not, the issues are just going to multiply and then the dynamic changes when you add a new person. Yeah, and of course, when you add Joaquin, that's Mike's friend. And if Mike's trying to, if Cindy's trying to recruit Mike, that's going to create a lot of really interesting complications and dynamics among these these teenagers. Because Mike is a teenager now, right? He looks so big. <laughs> what oh happened? God. I, I mean, I know so it's ancient. been a while. Like, I know it's been a while, but why? Ever since I saw Cameron, he's like, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I wish my stopped growing up, um, and I wish, like, I, I don't know, I don't, I have faith that the show's gonna do that storyline right, but I just, I, I will be very sad if I have to see my baby Mike go evil even for just, like, one episode. She just don't want that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to see that either, but. Uh, we know that at least it's going to look cool whenever it does happen because those Eclipso effects are pretty amazing. But I think we haven't really touched upon like what the shade is doing in town because this man strolls up into Barbara's office and is like, I'm interested in like Zarek's stuff. So what, why? Why do you think the shade would be interested in those things? Because I feel like in the comments, at least the comments that I read from The Shade, he's, like, very vengeance-driven, I think. So what what is his endgame here? Why is he in town? Why does he need Zarek's, like, magician gear, you know? Right. I, I'm, 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 like, a little torn in whether he really needs it or if he's just trying to figure out Barbara or, like, how much people know. Like trying to to test the waters and see who if he can sort of figure out who's responsible. Um, and then that whole thing with Pat, which we we haven't talked about, but that whole thing with Pat um, felt to me like well, Pat Pat recognized him. Pat was clear, so I assume he was too. Because um, like I mean, the stripesy thing wasn't really a good. Um, superhero disguise like everyone knows he's stripesy so um i don't i don't see how swift didn't recognize him and then, so that we're in episode two and that like ups the stakes already yeah so the the stripesy costume was definitely flawed because there was no attempt at hiding his face i mean yes the stripes look a little ridiculous but you're not just staring at the stripes you're going to look at his face at some point like it's not this isn't a foolproof superhero um disguise and it does feel like they were kind of just like toying with each other like they were just really like feeling each other out like you can kind of tell that they both each kind of knew that something was going on so i'd be really interested to see any further interactions with the shade because if he's staying in town it's a small town like he's going to run into other members of the new jsa and what what's his reaction going to be i mean he was missing for he was the last like unaccounted for member 
of the ISA. I don't, was he in that big battle of the beginning of season one? I don't remember. That's a good question. I might have to go back and rewatch. Yeah, um, I need to I, remember I, if I see. I, I was feel like the one? answer is no. I feel like wasn't there one death where there was like shadows though? Yes, there was. We need to re let's let's put a put a pin on this and revisit it later. I'm pretty I think I remember someone getting shadowed, but could have been Yes, something. I'm 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 looking it up right now and I'm like I'm oh. looking at the video and there is. Um <gasps> but he it's it, it's like yeah, it says you never actually see him. He's one of those, was he really there? Um you just see shadows. So he would be interested because he he has a vested interest in who has the staff that Courtney now has. He has a vested interest in the other like legacy JSA heroes. So it'd be really interesting to like, you know, what happens when he runs into, you know, like Courtney on the street or like Rick, like what's how much does he know? Because I feel like he's also one of those characters that is really smart and is going to like do his research. I don't think he's going to roll into Blue Valley having heard about all of these like battle, like fights that happened with his former crew. He's not going to roll in there without having any details, right? Like, right. I think he knows a lot more than he's letting on. And also goes to the question of where was he? Um, why wasn't he there? Was he in contact with the others? Um, does he have details of what happened from the others? And just as uh, him running into the new JSA, um, what's he going to do when he runs into Cameron, for example? Like, there are a couple of interesting questions. And then if he was there in the battle at the beginning of season one, then what happens when Starman or whoever that guy is shows up? How, that, how does that, because, that, like, if he's Starman, like, I would think he jumps right to the front of the list of people the shade has an issue with. Um, so um, it's interesting the way they they don't tie together yet, but they are surely going to come together probably in the back half of the season because as we discussed, I think the first half of the season is sort of a little bit on introducing something, setting up, but also cementing the the dynamics between the characters. Yeah, and then anytime the shade pops up, you got to be looking for um, the flash too. So we know he's coming up soon, but I mean, if you're introducing the shade in episode two and flash isn't coming, well, that version of the flash isn't coming until like episode nine, I think you said last week, there has to be stuff that happens in between, right? Like what's, what's he going to be doing in the next seven episodes? So I think us thinking about what happens when he runs into Sylvester? What happens when he runs into the new ISA? We're, I think we're going to see some really cool things coming out of that. Right. And then this all goes to the whole, is the Flash we're going to see, like, is he the same from the Arrowverse? I presume that we're seeing the same uh, Jay Garrick that we've seen in the Flash. But that means that he is not from Corny's Earth. He's coming in a way that is probably going to open up Stargirl up to Arrowverse crossovers, which, help me God. It's like, but 
that issue aside, that means there was no flash in this earth. What happened? Um, is there another flash? Like that that's also something they can go into because if the flash we are getting is a flash from another earth, that still leaves with what happened with the flash on this earth. Or does he just happen to look like the flash of that earth, right? It's a kind of like variance from the Loki show. Right. Like it could look exactly like you or it couldn't. So like this flash just happens to look like that other universe's flash. But I mean, we did do Crisis already. We did see Stargirls. So they kind of already opened that door. So I'm assuming it's the same flash. But yeah, we don't know. Do you want to see any other cross? What crossover do you want to see, Lizzie? Uh, what crossover do I want to see? I don't, I wanted, we talked before how I wanted Supergirl, which is All not right. going to happen now, mm -hmm. which is not going to happen now. So let's be honest, it would be really fun to see Superman and Lois. Um, just because I would actually be the only time where I would actually be interested in how Jordan and Jonathan relate to other teenagers. Like I, all my teenage babies together. And oh, like, can you imagine? Oh, sweet baby Jonathan. He would get along so great with them, I think. Right? Especially with Courtney. I don't know. I, I feel like Jonathan would get along with everybody. So that's just. But um, I would like that, yeah. I, I don't know if there's any other Arrowverse show that I would like. Like, I think The Flash is out if we're already getting uh, Jake Eric. Um, and, I mean, I don't want something as weird as Legends of Tomorrow coming in contact with Stargirl. So if I had to choose an Arrowverse show, it would be Superman and Lois and then and imagine Lois and, and Barbara and Clark and Pat. Clark the super moms and Pat the Oh, my God. Why? Yeah. Why? Oh, just, just to have them, like, out on the porch with their wine and just talking about how much they love their kids. Right. I, I might spontaneously come back if I get Tyler and Luke Wilson on the same screen. So I'm not even sure this is a good thing. So. <laughs> I have to fan myself now. This, that's, that's, that visual is too much. So yeah. Especially with the wine. <laughs> yeah. The, this was a tangent. But yes, uh, if someone's listening, that's what we want. That's what the people want. The people what they want. Um, and, and yes, um, well, I think the this episode just set up more summer school, so we're gonna see what trouble these kids can get during summer school and how bad plays into this because we she's not in summer school, mm -hmm. presumably. Mm -hmm. So far, who knows? She might like I don't know show up at summer school anyway because she's got nothing else to do. Her parents are not paying attention to her, and she's got no friends. Or she could be like a tutor. Right? Like, the principal would be like, Beth, you get good grades. Why don't you, like, come be a tutor for the summer school kids or something? Like, yeah, I mean, she can tutor Rick. Poor kid. For, like, I'm still super mad. At, like, it's been a, a week. I'm still super mad at no one believing my poor baby Rick that he studied. Like, I like it was to probably... 
I like, like to think that he had like flashcards, you know, and he like wrote on index cards, like different terms to memorize. And he was just sitting there in his garage and like just going through his little flashcards and then bringing Grundy food. <laughs> like it doesn't even feel like it was like the first time he actually studied and no one believed him. That, 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 it felt to me like he isn't like the time to always study and that he'd actually studied and no one believed him. I know, watch him, like, not want to study anymore, poor kid, like, he has right. to get to college somehow, right? Aren't these kids trying to get to college? Come I on. don't know, Courtney's trying to be Stargirl forever, and also, if the show ends up making it so Rick really does feel that sad, exam, I'm gonna be really mad after defending him here, okay? So, I'm trying to give Rick Tyler the benefit of the doubt here, so don't make me regret it. That's true, I mean... Have we really been very wrong on this podcast? The answer is yes. So we could. I mean, could but, but we really like Rick now. So so that's a good thing that Rick was, was a character that, that was a little hard for us at first. And a character that had to work for the show to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they all work really well. Like Courtney was uh, borderline like, why this episode? And I still really loved her. Because even when she was doing things that were annoying and that we could see were wrong, we could see why she was doing them. So, and we know Courtney pretty well by now. So it was easy to relate to her. Yeah, she's always relatable. And that's the power of her character that even if she is being a little extra and being a little bit Courtney, yes, we still relate to her because, like, at the end of the day, like, what her issue this episode was that she was jealous, right? Like, we understand what that's like. So, you know, that's yeah. our girl right there. We're going to stick with her. Exactly. Um, and I think that's it. I think we yeah. still got four more episodes or five more episodes of summer school. So we'll see what summer school brings us. Mm-hmm. And um, you can visit Stargirl Podcast, uh, StargirlPodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. You can also subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. I know we've been gone for a while, so we haven't gotten any like new reviews in a while. So please, please, yes, if you haven't reviewed, please leave us one. And don't forget that we are part of the DC TV Podcast Network with podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at dctvpodcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. DCTV Podcast has its own TV public store, so if you're interested in DCTV-related merchandise, click on the link in the show notes. Get some awesome gear. It does help support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. And if you have any questions or thoughts about Stargirl, please email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.